<laughs> Julio texted me and said, uh, did you get a lot of sun? I said, uh, not really, but I ate a lot. <laughs> Came back with a few extra pounds, not any tanner, but uh, good morning, everyone. He makes all things new, right? Do you want to see what it looks like? Yeah. Mitch, would you stand up, please? Look at this. Look at this. Mitch is going to model for us. Christmas shirt, Christmas pants, Christmas shoes. He makes all things new. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, he makes all things new? Just look at me. Oh, y'all had a hard time with the second part, didn't you? All right, let's try it again. Turn to your neighbor and say, he makes all things new. Just look at me. It's true, right? If anyone is in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creation. Behold what? Old things have passed away. New things have come. I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. Happy New Year's, everyone. Did anybody make any 2016 New Year resolutions? Nobody? Anybody? Just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I won't make you stand up and tell us what they... 2016. Yeah, last year. Did anyone make 2016 resolutions last year? One person. One person. Two people. Okay, what's the matter with y'all? You're not American? Americans make New Year's resolutions. Come on. Well, I guess the next question doesn't really matter then. That's as many. I was saying, did you keep them? How did it go keeping them? I, actually, I really love this time of the year. I'm so thankful that uh, I get to preach this morning because I get an excuse to preach on something I really love to preach on. It's totally legal, and that's, you know, although I'm really not going to preach on that. But I like to talk about, like, goals for the new year, like what's ahead of us because how many of y'all know it's really important to stop and recalibrate every once in a while? You know, it's just life. Life goes, life goes, life goes, and it's like stop and recalibrate. I think we have a new year like four times a year, like quarterly, like quarters in a football game, right? Like let's stop. Let's have a little huddle up. Let's figure out if we're on the right track. Do we need to change the game plan? Are we making momentum? Are we getting the first downs? Are we scoring touchdowns? Are we winning? I love that. So I do, in my journal book, I, I write down the categories that I have certain uh, things that I like to see accomplished. And, you know, I have the, the things that mean a lot to me, like my marriage. That means a lot to me. So in 2017, one of my goals is to help my wife uh, understand that I'm right. <laughs> it's the top of the list. And then something like this, like for my children and my family, for my children to listen and obey. Like, you know, those would be good goals, except they're a little bit out of my control, right? No, my goal, seriously, I do love to make goals in, in relationship to marriage, family, um, jobs, ministries, businesses, relationships. I, I do that. And, um, and all joking aside, it's important that, that uh, it's not about trying to make other people certain things, but more focused on yourself. So... Tulio told you we did, uh, Val's parents did give, give us a cruise for Christmas, and uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I can't tell you where we went. I, I think we went, we went from Key West, we also went to Ro Rodan, Honduras. Where, where is, thank you. <laughs> we went to Belize, we went to, what's the place in Mexico we went to? Cosma? Cosmel. So we went, we went to all those places. And you can tell I'm not very educated <laughs> or cultured. I do not know my geography. But uh, I can also tell you there were times where I felt very out of place. This was not like your 
you know, this was not like your, you know, party cruise, like, you know, where all the teenagers and young, you know, it's just like partying on. This was more of an older cruise. I mean, there's a lot of older people on this cruise. And so, like, the center of the, scru- of the cruise was, um, like, this massage, like, parlor where they had a, um, they had this, what did they call that bathing place, Val? They had a hydrotherapy place. They had sauna rooms. They had masseuses. They had, you could get your hair. I mean, like, that was the big stuff, man. All, people were in there all the time. And so, I, did Rick ask if I got my hair done? <laughs> no, why are you laughing? That's not funny. That's not funny. But uh, on a serious note, I'm, I'm, one of my love languages is physical touch. So guess what I've always wanted to get? I never had a massage. One of my favorite Christmas presents, I think, Ashner Oakley gave me one year, year was the back scratcher. I do that several times a week because I just love, you know. And so my in-laws, it's, it's great. <laughs> so my in-laws um, are doing the cruise. And actually, they're, I mean, they paid for everything. And so, but there are certain things that are extra on the cruise. For example, like a massage would cost extra. And so my mother-in-law said, you really should get a massage. You really should get a massage. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so, um, so I set up an appointment to get a massage. And uh, I think it was the day before we were in some place and it was raining. And I was wearing um, these rainbow flip-flops that have like leather bottoms on them. And I don't know if you've ever worn leather flip-flops when it rains or gets wet. Well, you, it, it tans your feet. Like the leather turns your feet a certain color. And so I'm scheduled that evening to get a massage. So I go to the front desk. I'm a little nervous. I mean, I like physical touch, but I like to know who's touching my body. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm lining up, and the guy at the front desk says, you know, let me take you to your dressing room, and here's your robe, and, and there's showers, and there's robes. He goes, feel free to take all your clothes off or whatever's comfortable with you. I said, I think I'll leave them on. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't need a shower. I'm not, you know. So anyway, so I, I do put on my robe, and I go to um, the room to get a massage. And so, yeah, it's a little, yeah, I don't know if you ever, well, anyways. <laughs> a little nerve-wracking, right? You're supposed to relax. I can feel the tension, boom, 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 like, growing as I was sitting there. I'm like, this is not helping me. <laughs> So I thought, like, I don't never have one. I thought the massage is just in your back area, right? Like, I thought they just focus, because here's where my spots are. I, mean, I get these tension knots right across here. So anyway, she starts doing her thing, and then she starts working on my calves. I'm like, don't go to the feet. Don't go. So she goes down to the feet, and she goes, oh, maybe you should have started with pedicure. I'm like, I was like, oh, no, 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 my feet, no, no, that's not. That's from my flip-flops. So I'm, try- I'm trying to explain why my feet are black. And then it'll look like she goes, oh, no, yeah, I see. It's coming off. It's coming off. <laughs> so anyway, that, you, you never know, like, when you feel slightly out of place. Have you ever been there? I mean, this was like, I'm like, this is like high class. And I'm like, yo, I grew up in low class. And you can feel it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you don't, there's a point where you don't even try to fake it, right? You just, it is me. I'm in my sweatsuit, my sweatpants, you know, it's like gala every night on the cruise, you know, it's like gala night, so, you know, it, it, was, it was really a great experience, though, it was a lot of relaxation, and I, and I, did, get a, I did get a massage, and, uh, but, you know, one of the things that the cruise, cruise does is when they enter into a new place, it's called port, so you, you go to port, and uh, I was just looking out my window when we were getting ready to port, and this boat pulls up, and on the side of it says pilot, 
So this boat pulls up while we're moving. I don't know exactly how fast or how many knots, but we're moving. This boat pulls right up, and we're up on the 10th deck. I mean, we're up high. And the boat pulls right along the side of the boat. Everyone's still moving. The guy jumps off of his boat and starts climbing up the ladder up on our boat. You know, and so that's like, that's, and I didn't, I was like, what is going on? You know, it didn't say pirates, it said pilot. So it was a pilot boat, so that, that was good. And then what, what happens is, is that they know that area. Like the pilot from the port knows, knows the area. They know how to bring the ship into port. They know how to lead us into port. And I just felt like as we head into 2017, like can we just pause as we head into port? Because port represents transition. We're at a transition right now. We're transitioning from 2016 and 2017. And if you're like me, I'm ready to run. No port necessary. Let's just keep going. In fact, let's pick up the pace a little bit more. But I felt like the Lord is saying, look, let's just, let's just catch our breath. Let's just slow down for a moment. There's a lot ahead of you. There's a lot waiting for you in 2017. But it's really important that we port. You know, because the transition, there's transition that is coming. And in this one particular port, we stayed out like two miles from the actual place. I think it was in Belize where we were out a good ways. And I didn't know why. And then they would have these boats, these taxi boats, come pick everybody else. So you got like a 1,000 people getting off on these big pontoon boats to get onto shore. And I found out later on, like, why is that? And they said because there's a, a coral, there's a coral reef, and that they didn't want, you know, they obviously don't want the ships, the cruises coming messing up with the, the coral reefs. And so, it's, you know, so what I'm thinking about, like, as we run, as we go into port, can we just ask the Lord a question and say, listen, is there any unseen barriers that could hinder this transition? Is there anything that's under the surface that if we don't pause and if we don't just slow down, and I'm not talking about killing ourselves with introspection, like that's exhausting, that wears us out. But a simple pause that just says, Lord, if there's anything under the surface that I can't see that's going to hinder me from running to going to, to this new transition to this new season, would you please show me? So that's what I want the next week or so to be about, just asking the Lord to show us anything. Because at the end of 2016, we got this word, and I feel like it was a significant word. It was that we were going from shaking to shifting. Do you all remember that? When that was spoken, I felt like that was a very powerful word. But, you know, after, after you shift, what happens? When you're driving in a car and you shift a gear, what happens? You increase, you increase the momentum. Like the momentum picks up. And I feel like before the momentum picks up, can we just put in the clutch, take your foot off the gas, put in the clutch before we shift, to get 2017 rolling and just say, okay, Lord, here we are. And so this morning, I have actually want to share this title with you because it's important. Um, it's called Breaking Barriers and Expanding Boundaries. Breaking Barriers and Expanding Boundaries. Because there's no doubt in my mind that 2017, there's going to be growth. You know, I mean, there's going to be growth. Like I said, I'm praying, man. I, I feel like... My wife and I have a good marriage, but you know what? I want it to grow. I don't ever want to be stagnant. I don't want it just to sit. You know, I feel like uh, in, in relationship to being a dad, a family, like, man, I want our family to grow. There's things. There's places that we've yet. I want, you know, my ministry, my job. I want my Jesus. Hey, that's a good word. Who wants Jesus in their money? 
Hello, come on, I'd like a little, okay, the five people that raised your hand, let's just ask the Lord about that. I mean, Jesus in my money, I want Jesus in my money. I want my money to grow in 2017, you know, and I, those are, so, but to expand the boundaries, that's God's heart is to expand the boundaries. And I want us to look at this morning, the story of the Israelites. They expanded a boundary from being slaves in Egypt into promised land. But before, they, before that ever happened, there had, to be some, there had to be some breaking of some barriers. It didn't happen overnight, did it? It didn't just, God didn't just pluck them out of Egypt and put them in the promised land, did he? Absolutely not. So just a little bit of history. I don't want to assume everybody knows the story. So to give a little backdrop to the story of Moses, y'all know Moses? Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. But just to back up a little bit, uh, in the beginning was the word of God. And God was with, that was, that was not a, that didn't go over very well at all, did it? I want to back up. I don't want to back up quite that far. Okay. So, but y'all remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Y'all remember those names? Okay. Jacob had 12 sons. If I get this wrong, someone correct me. Jacob had 12 sons. All right. And one of the sons' names was Joseph. And you remember that Jacob or Israel really loved Joseph. I mean, he loved all of his sons, but he saw that there was something special. There was something on Joseph, that he knew Joseph was going to be a phenomenal leader. Joseph had the dream. Um, they made a coat. The Jake, um, Jacob made a coat for Joseph, the coat of many colors. He has this dream. He shares it with his brothers. Uh, what happens? His brothers get a little jealous. Joseph was a little premature, a little immature in sharing the vision that God has for his life. They sell him into slavery. So the brothers sell Joseph into slavery. Joseph, through a series of events, ends up in Egypt. I'm not going to give you the whole thing, but it's amazing how he went from the prison to the palace. You know, it's just a phenomenal story of how it looks like his back's up against the wall. There's no way. He can't do it. And he ends up in the palace. And then he ends up in prison again. And then he ends up, he ends up in second command serving Pharaoh. So, you know, that Pharaoh has a dream, and the dream comes, and then Joseph gets to interpret the dream. He did that before he got in the palace. But Joseph interprets the dream, and basically there's going to be a severe famine, all right? And he gives them the plan of what to do. He doesn't just say there's a famine, then he gives them a plan of what to do. So through that, Jake, um, Joseph's brothers all end up having to come to Egypt. Why? Because there's a great famine in the land. So he ends up, he ends up, they end up coming to Egypt, and... I just lost my train of thought. Where was I going with this? I was giving you history, right? Yeah. I was giving you a background because we were going to start with, and then most. Oh, why they got in Egypt? Yeah. So how did they got in Egypt? So anyway, so the brothers and all them came to Egypt, and they ended up living in Egypt because of the famine was severe. And Joseph reveals that, hey, I'm your brother, and all da 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 da. So they're they're ending up in Egypt, but and they're multiplying. I mean, they're multiplying. They're multiplying. So Pharaoh gets concerned that the Israelites are coming too great in number. So what's the plan? We've got to have some birth control. What we're going to do is we're going to kill the firstborn of every male. So we know, remember the story, Moses' mom does what? She gives birth, puts him in a basket. Just watch the prince of Egypt. They tell the story a lot better. Puts Moses in the basket, and we know what happens. Pharaoh's daughter sees Moses floating in and ends up rescuing Moses, and Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house. Are we all okay on the same page? All right, so now we're going to pick up the story. If you want to open your Bible... That was a pretty 
not the best review, but it's in your Bible if you want to read it. So Exodus chapter 2, that's where we're going to pick up the story. Man, there's so much in that story. It's so awesome. I did not do it justice. So Moses is leading the Israelites. And the great thing about this story, actually the story of the Exodus is found in uh, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So we're going we're gonna to pick up in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. But I want you, before I read it, I want you to catch the heart of God's heart in expanding their boundaries. Exodus 34, 24 says, I will drive out the nations before you, and I will enlarge your borders. Deuteronomy 12, 20, when the Lord your God extends your borders as he has promised you. Like, he wants to extend boundaries. I mean, he wants to open areas up for us. But before, before he can do that, sometimes he has to make sure that there's nothing hidden, no barriers that will keep us from being successful. And that's where, that's the life, like the Israelites. He wanted to expand their boundaries, but the problem was, if you know what happened, when they got to the promised land, they ended up having not, they weren't able to go in because what was revealed to them is that they had a lot of barriers inside them that kept them from receiving God's promise, that kept them from receiving God's best, that kept them from expanding their boundaries. So he had to break. So Moses walked with the Israelites to help break off some barriers so the boundaries could be extended. But it wasn't just the Israelites, because I've read this whole story over break. I read it in all three books, and I realized, you know, this is not just the Israelites. I went back and I read Moses, and Moses really went through the same process himself. You know, and if you look like Moses was ready to run in Exodus chapter 2. If you look at in verse 11, he was ready. He knew his purpose. He was ready to expand Israel's boundaries. There was just one thing. He had some barriers that were holding him back. He had to break some personal barriers before there was going to be a corporate expanse. You know? And I think, like, I really feel like that's, like, Whatever barriers, whatever boundaries that we go into, whatever boundaries are expanded in our life, like I really want us to hear, like, it's, it's, it's not just for my sake. It's for the sake of everyone else around me. So when Moses broke some personal barriers, it benefited all the nation, the entire nation. It benefited all of them. So let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. I'm just going to go ahead and read that, if you want to read along with me. Now, it came about in those days, we're in verse 11, when Moses had grown up, that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. Behold, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Then he looked this way, and he looked that way. He saw that there was no one around. So he struck the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? But he said, who made you prince or judge over us? Are you intending to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid, and he said, surely the matter has become known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by the well. Moses' first attempt wasn't so successful, was it? 
Why, didn't he, why, wasn't he, why wasn't Moses' first attempt to expand Israel's boundaries successful? Because he had some issues, right? He had some, he had some barriers. He had some things that were holding him back. And it's interesting. And he ran, didn't he? He ran. He left it, and he went to Midian. But, you know, it's still amazing. It's so hard to run from purpose, isn't it? I and mean, we can... We can do all kinds of things, but, you know, at the end of the day, there's something that always kind of gnaws us, gnaws us when we're trying to run from what we were created for, when we try to run from, from our purpose. God's call on Moses' life. God's call. Look at verse, if you would look at me in verse, in verse 10. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 10. <clears throat> Here's God's call on Mo- Moses' life right here. Therefore, come now. I will send you that you may bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. That's God's call. So he runs. He flees. He's gone 40 years. He ha- he's, he's, he's in the wilderness right now. He has this amazing encounter with God. God shows up in this bush. That's after he's been in hiding for how many years? 40 years. That's an that's a interesting number, isn't it? 40 years he's in hiding. So he has this encounter with God, this burning bush encounter. And at the, end, at the beginning of the encounter, it's, it's in there. I believe it's verse, uh, verse 6 in chapter 3. He goes, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid. So he has this, he has this encounter with God, and then God says, Moses, I want you to go to my people I've heard their cries, and I want you to lead them out of slavery. Now, I want you to think about this. What is going through Moses' mind at this point? Um, yeah, God, I tried that 40 years ago. I tried that. In fact, I was kind of wondering, where, you were, where were you when I tried to do that? So he's had 40 years to be in the wilderness and I imagine that in those 40 years, certainly some questions. He had to be entertaining some questions. What was that? Y'all, anyone ever experienced failure in here? We should all raise our hand. I want us to get comfortable with failure. I personally don't think failure is a big deal. I think failure is a good thing. You know, Because if we're not ever failing, man, we're not ever really taking any risk or any chances at all. But I mean, there's, I don't know if there's a bigger failure than this. Moses, I mean, think about this. What does Moses do? He actually <clears throat> murders. He takes his call. He actually, he's called, to, he's called to lead a people out, but in the process, he actually murders someone. He's a wanted man. He's on the run. I'm not going to ask anyone. You don't have to answer this question. Anyone ever murder anyone in here? Anyone ever been on the run for 40 years in here? You know, anyone ever completely know you're living outside of your purpose? Moses, that's where Moses is right now. And I know he had to be thinking, did I miss it? I mean, what, what, what was that all about? I tried doing that. I thought this is what, what I was born for. And as the story goes on, and we're going to pick up in verse, <clears throat> in verse 11 of chapter 3, in verse 13, and we're going to begin to see some barriers are going to begin to get uncovered. How come he wasn't successful the first time? Now God's asking him to do it again. Why didn't he accomplish it the first time? Now God's coming to him and saying, I want you to do it again. Do it again? 
So you got to imagine what he might have been thinking. So let's look with me. Two, in these passages, there's two massive barriers that held him back. In verse, let's pick up in uh, chapter 3. I'll just read verse 10. We're going to read verse 10 and 11 again. Therefore, come now, I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel of Egypt, out of Egypt? And he said to them, certainly I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that I have sent you, that when you brought up the people out of Egypt, you shall worship on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, who, who is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am as sent me to you. Verse 15, God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me. This is my name forever. This is my memorial name to all generations. So I want to look at the first barrier that was hindering Moses from expanding boundaries. The first barrier is revealed in chapter 13. I'm sorry, chapter, yeah, chapter 13 goes, what is your name? What is your name? What, what should I say when people ask me what your name is? See, the first go-round, Moses knew his purpose, but he didn't know his God. He knew his purpose. He knew what he was called to, but he did not know his God. In fact, if you look in that verse, he goes, what if people ask me who you are? What should I say? Moses, just ask what you want to ask. Who are you? I've tried this. He wasn't asking for the people. And God's smart, right? God knows that he's not going to answer. He's answering Moses. He's not giving an answer for the people. And so what does he tell Moses? I am who I am. Now, what does that mean? I am who I am. You know how you know he's talking to Moses? Because he goes on, he goes, and by the way, when you get to the Israelites, tell them that the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my memorial name. This is my name that everyone recognizes me by. But you need a revelation of the I am who I am. Because there's a difference. It's one thing knowing, it's one thing knowing I am. We know a lot of I am's, don't we? We list all the things you can about God. He is healer. He is deliverer. He is faithful. He is savior. He is good. We can know the I am's, but we have to know the second part. I am who I am. I am who I am. And this is what Moses needed to hear. The I am means I am, and the other I am means I will do. I am deliverer, and I will deliver you from the hands of Pharaoh when he tries to kill you again. I am comfort, and I will comfort you when your own people question your leadership. I am powerful, and I will demonstrate my power through signs and wonders. I am generous, and I will give you abundantly. I am faithful, and I will never leave you, even when you feel like you're all alone. I am good, and I cannot fail you. Are you ready now? 
Now, there's a process. It doesn't just all click. Oh, yeah, good. Yep, let's go, God. I'm ready. I know you won't let me down. I know you'll deliver me. I know it'll be through power and signs and wonders and not because I'm some great leader. I know. See, there's this process that he's beginning. It's a process that takes place. You know, and I think that some of us know the I am. But we need to know the I am who I am. It's not enough for us just to know that God is good. We need to be experiencing the goodness of God in our lives. What does the goodness of God look like in my marriage? What does the goodness of God look like in my family? What does the goodness of God look like in my ministry? What does the goodness of God look like in my business? I've got to know he's more than just, he's more than just faithful. I know he's there when no one else was there for me. Because that's the I am who I am. Jehovah Jireh, you got that? That's great. But I know when I shouldn't have been able to make those payments or I needed the increase that it was there. I know the I am who I am. And we've got to know the second part of that. There has to be a revelation of the goodness of who God really is. Because if you don't have the second part, then if you don't, the circumstances of this life will begin to dictate the first part. You might have the first part. See, I know God is healer. But if you don't have some encounter, some experience with healing, and you're living your life, and you're in sickness and your disease, you might be tempted to go, I don't know if I got that first part of I am right. Because it needs to be more than just doctrine. There needs to be an encounter. The second part of the I am is the encounter. It needs to be more than just knowledge. He, Moses needed to know that, that God was, in theory, not just capable of doing powerful things, right? He needed to know through experience that God is capable of doing miraculous and powerful things. Because guess what? We don't want men's faith resting on a man, do we? We want men's faith resting on a God who could do the impossible, not just a man who is smart and speaks really well, right? So we've got to know the I am. And I believe that was the first barrier that Moses had to get past. He knew his purpose, and he was passionate about it, and he was ready to run. I love that. I love that. Man, I told him, I said, I'm ready. I'm ready for 2017. I went up to Rick two weeks ago. I'm ready, man. I'm like, this, this message was supposed to be runners in a runner block, you know? And that's what I was going to preach. I was going to be able to run the race. And then, like, Rick and Val and some other people just was like, yeah, just... You know, just make sure you're running on the right foundation. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I'm ready to run. Let's run. Let's do this. There's lives to be saved. There's ministries to be expanded. There's things to be changed. The kingdom to grow and all that. You know? And then, and then because of some wise people in my life, I said, okay. I think Leah was one of them. She knows I'm a running gunner. I want to run and I want to gun and I want to get, get things done. And they encouraged me, just, hey, just, just take a little bit of time. Just take a little time. And this isn't to beat myself up, but I'm like, yeah, what, what was hindering me in 2016? What, what, I wanted to run in 2016 in some of these areas, and I wasn't running so good. So just the idea that I'm going to run in 2017 is going to make me run? <laughs> Wait a second. Maybe there was some stuff. Maybe there's some stuff that's hindering me from really having the most amazing marriage that anyone could ever have. Maybe there is a few things that were just hindering me from having incredible family. Maybe there's just some things from the ministry just quadrupling. 
Maybe there's some things that are keeping Jesus from in my money. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what's, what's, so just take some, just ask the Lord. Is there anything, is there anything hindering? And like Moses, I come back to this all the time, y'all. I think this is going to be a message that as long as I speak, I hope it's a core message. I hope it stays one of the pil- pillars of dwelling place. Is that he's good. That he's good. And if you know that he's good through name, but you don't know that he's good through encounter and experience, you might be tempted to backtrack when everything doesn't look good. You might be tempted to retreat. You might be tempted. And, and you know, if you look back, if you look back, this is, this is so, if you look back with Moses, if you look back in, in where, where we began, it says that Moses, they, they questioned him. Who are you? So there's the, if you've got a pencil, you might want to underline this. Who? No one's underlining. No one has a Bible, no one has a pencil. Or you don't believe in writing in your Bible. <laughs> Rick. But it starts off with the questioning. Who are you? Who made you judge over us? And then, and then the next thing, it says that he became afraid. Right? And then after he became afraid, what did he do? He fled. And then what after, after he fled, what did he do? He settled. So if you just underline who, and you underline afraid, and you underline fled, and you underline settled, right? that's what ends up happening when you don't have the encounter, when you don't have the experience. That when you're faced up against a giant, when you're faced up against something, the difference between Moses when it came down to it and they're facing the enemies, and they're facing the impossibles, is that Moses had had some personal encounters with the I Am. Now, he saw a staff become a snake. He saw his hand become leper. I mean, he saw all these things. And so when they needed a little water, when all the Israelites are crying, just send us back, send us back. What did you do, God? God, you sent us out into this wilderness to destroy us. False conclusion. God did not send them into the wilderness to destroy them. He sent them out of slavery so that they could live in abundance and prosperity. But they didn't have that second part of the I am. They didn't have that encounter, that experience, that they knew that they knew that God is good. And because he's so generous, he gives abundantly. He loves to bless. He loves to give. He is faithful. He is powerful to destroy the enemy. He is powerful to cause meat to fall out of the sky, bread to come out of the sky, water to pour out of a rock. That can't just be name. That can't just be doctrine. It can't just be our ideas about who we think God is. It has to be the reality in our lives that this is what God is like. This is who he is. He's not only good, but I should be experiencing goodness in the areas of my life. And if I'm not experiencing goodness in the areas of my life, it's not God ceasing to be God. What is hindering me from experiencing the goodness of God? Are there any barriers in my life? Do I have any false conclusions in my heart about just how good God really is? How good he really is? He wants to do good things in our life. And through this whole process, guess what? Moses is beginning to catch a glimpse of how good he really is. Remember in scene one, what did he do? He, the first time Pharaoh wanted to kill him in scene one, what did he do? Remember? He fled, he settled, and he sat. 
He, he didn't know who he was. It's a problem when other people's questions. It's not a problem when other people question your identity. It's a problem when their questions become your questions. When you don't know that you don't know. He, the first time Pharaoh wanted to kill him, he ran. But you know what he did the second time that Pharaoh wanted to kill him? After he caught a revelation of the I am, who I am? This is what he says. Picture this with me. You're on the brink of the Red Sea. Pharaoh and the entire Egyptian army are pursuing you. They can hear the they can hear it behind them. Don't look back. Don't look back. Behind you, there's regrets. Behind you, there is shame. Behind you, there's what ifs. Behind you is yesterday. How do you not look back when the enemy's trying to kill you and he's closing in? You got the enemy closing in behind you. Before you, there's this promise that you can't see. You've heard it be described. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, full of abundance. It's a rich land. There's only one problem. There's a big body of water standing right in front of you. What are you going to do? The Israelites want to go back. Surrender now. Surrender now. What is Moses going to do? See, the Israelites had not had the breakthrough yet, had they? They had not had the breakthrough. Moses has had the breakthrough. And listen to what Moses says. Moses says in Exodus 14, verse 13 through 14, Do not fear. That's a difference already, isn't it? First time when Pharaoh came after him, he was afraid. He said, do not fear. Get this. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. See, the first time Moses said, don't be afraid. I got this. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> you know, the second time, it ain't about him, is it? It's not about him. It's about how good God is. That's why he says, stand by and watch. He didn't say, stand by and watch what I do with my staff. <laughs> He said, stand by and watch the salvation of the Lord. Oh, someone caught a revelation about God is able to deliver when there seems to be no way out. God is able to provide when it seems like there are no provisions at all. God is able to heal when the doctors say there's no answer. There's no answer. So Moses has caught a revelation. He says this, stand by. You don't got to do anything. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. That's the first barrier. Before, Moses's, before Moses could expand the whole nation's boundaries, he had, to have, he had to break his own personal barriers. See, it wasn't just the Israelite that had issues, was it? Moses had some issues, didn't he? Had a few issues. Y'all, we all got issues, right? <laughs> I mean, we all got some issues. Except, just me. <laughs> no, Sizemore feels my pain. <laughs> I mean, we all, we all have some issues. The greatest leader, in my opinion, better than Winston Churchill. I love Winston Churchill. Moses, one of the greatest leaders in history, had some major issues, y'all. Major issues. But when he broke the barrier of the false conclusions of the goodness of his God, things started to change. And we can see the second barrier that he had to overcome is in Exodus chapter 2. We see in verse 14. It took him, hey, you know, I guess what I'm saying. I was reading this story from the Israelites' perspective. 40 years, Israelites. Bunch of knuckleheads. What's, and then I, looked, then I just stepped back and I looked at Moses. I'm like, Moses went through the same thing. 
Moses had to go through a process just like the Israelites had to go through a process. And I'm not saying, I mean, listen, I don't think we can expedite God's purpose and God's in, in the in boundaries being expanded. I think we can slow them up, right? I just don't want to slow them up. I, I don't know if we can necessarily speed them up, but I don't want to slow them up. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to, I don't want to be asking the same questions heading into 2018 that I'm asking in 2017. I just want to slow up long enough to say, okay, so is there any barriers? Is there anything holding me back? Is there anything holding me back? So look in verse, if you would, look with me in verse 14. Verse 14 Oh, where am I? Sorry. Do, 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 do. All right, so we've already read where he talked about the questioning of his identity. Who are you? Who are you? We read over that. So we're going to pick up the story in verse 311. So God comes to him in verse 10 and says, I want you to bring my people out of Egypt. And here is the, second, the first question. I started with the second question because, in my opinion, that's the most important. <laughs> like, you got to know, you can't really know who you are if you don't know who God is. You know? I mean, that's, that's to me, the, the goodness of God, the loving kindness of God. Someone said this morning, his mercies are new every morning. If they're new every morning, that means they're new at the beginning of this year. He's good. There's reasons to have hope heading into 2017. But the second question he says is, all right, so uh, who are you? And then he goes, well, well, who am I? Who am I that I should go before Pharaoh? Who am I that I will lead the people out? They're not going, they're not going to listen to me. Now, it's interesting how God answers this question. Because if you look at verse 12, I don't, it doesn't, does God even answer his question? So in verse 11, he says, who am I that I should bring the sons out? And listen to God's response. This is really important, y'all. Catch this. God said, certainly I will be with you. Who am I? I will be with you. And this will be a sign that is I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. See, I think the first thing about identity, Moses discovering his true identity, is that our identity, our true identity always starts with God. I know that seems elementary. I know that seems really basic, but it never starts with me. It, it, it starts with God. It's like I am created by God. I am made in God's image. I am a child of God. I am a worshiper of God. Now you can fill in the blank. I'm amazing. I rock. I'm awesome. I'm a saint. But if you don't start in God's image, you might get over here and feel a little entitled. Don't you know how amazing I am? <laughs> don't you know I rock? Don't you know who I am? <laughs> if it doesn't start with God, we might be tempted to walk in a little entitlement, a little bit of pride, and a little bit of independence. See, Moses, it ain't about you right now. See, the first time it was about you. It was all about you. You weren't successful because you didn't know who you were. Let's get it on the right foundation. I'm going to be with you. Because before God could even reveal to Moses who Moses really was, he had to break down some barriers. 
He had to help Moses understand who you aren't. Because, see, you've had some things spoken into you that you've believed. You may have spoken some things into yourself that you have believed. And I'm sure that God wanted to give him this long list of, well, let me tell you who you are, Moses. You're amazing. You rock. You're my child. You're an overcomer. You're a conqueror. You're the deliverer of Egypt. But he had a barrier. He was holding on to some false identities. And it gets exposed when they say, when he tries to deliver him the first time, and, 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 he's, and they say, who are you? Who made you judge? Who made you ruler? And he ran and he fleed. Why couldn't he just say, God, God made me judge. God made me ruler. Didn't God? Wasn't that God that did that? And make a footnote, look at Acts 7.22. He, he knew this. this was, he didn't just accidentally stumble and just, he didn't just fall into his purpose. Whether it was, missed, I don't know, missed time because of the barriers that was in his heart that kept him from really walking it out or not. So what? So there were some false identities that he had to lay down. And if you look, if you keep looking in the story, it's phenomenal. Remember, this is a process, y'all. It, it very, rare, very rare do you, I mean, I love it when it happens this way, but you just get a word and everything changes. It can happen that way. But stuff like identity, false conclusions about our identity, they're often a process. False conclusions about the goodness of God, it's often a process where we find ourselves encounter and experience revelation. Encounter, experience, revelation. Encounter, experience, revelation. To where the I am is now becoming the I am. The I am. And so he goes, in, he goes on with the story. He goes with Moses. If you look with me in, verse, uh, in chapter 4 and beginning in verse 1. Then Moses said to him, because Moses still got questions. What if they will not believe me or listen to me? For, for what if they say, the Lord has not appeared to you? Then the Lord said to him, what, what is that in your hand, Moses? Moses said, a staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. When Moses ran the first time and was in the wilderness for 40 years, what was he doing? He was shepherding animals. He wasn't delivering people. He couldn't run from his purpose, though, could he? Because even when he landed in Midian, because he's wired for justice, why is he wired for justice? Because he was raised in a palace. He thinks like royalty. He acts like royalty. He's ready to fight for when there's an injustice. When he sees, so right away, he gets to the well and he sees an injustice. And what does he do? He stands up and he drives the shepherds out so the women can get the water at the well. He's wired that way. It's in him. Because that's the heart of God. That's what God's like. But he said, there's just one problem that's hindering you. You see that staff in your hand? No, it's not a stick. It's an actual staff. See, to Moses, this staff, and I think men can relate to this. As a man, at least I can. This thing that you're holding your hand, it's become your identity. That's, you're more than a shepherd. But because you've ran and you've settled, you've now taken on the identity. I am just a shepherd. This is what I do. This is my strength. This is who I am. And so what does God tell him to do? He says, man, Moses, you need to throw that thing down. And the moment Moses threw the staff down, it became what it was the whole time, a snake. And it wasn't just any snake, because being a shepherd 40 years, I have a feeling he could identify a safe snake and an unsafe snake. 
He ran from the snake. You know why? Because it was poisonous. It was deadly. And he says, you better be careful how you pick that thing up. Because that thing that you've been finding, that thing, that thing, that source, whatever that thing is you do, that you think that's who you are, that strength of yours, thank God for strengths. But when you don't manage that strength, it will bite you, it will devour you, and it will kill you. So you better be careful. You better pick that thing up, and you better hold it. And that's what God's saying. Listen, man, you are these things, but you need to lay down some false identities. You need to let go of some things. And see, before, some, sometimes we have to break some barriers of some false identities in our life. And I'm getting to the last barrier. <clears throat> the last barrier. So the first barrier was false conclusions about the goodness of God. The second barrier is false conclusions about our own identity. And the third barrier I want to talk about this morning is the, the, the barrier that has to do with culture. Now, this is where Moses had an advantage. Have you ever wondered why Moses had to be raised in Pharaoh's house? It's a good question. I mean, how did he, how did, why did he have to be raised in Pharaoh's house? I just wrote down a few things. Powerless people cannot empower people. Paupers cannot teach the ways of royalty. Slaves cannot lead people into freedom. Slaves see problems, sons see promises. Slaves see obstacles, sons see opportunities. See, paupers do not think like princes. And it took a prince to lead a whole nation of slaves into the promised land. Moses had to be raised in Pharaoh's house because there's ways of royalty. And I already mentioned one of them. That man, you, when you're raised up in the ways of royalty, it's not, you're not, your life is not consumed with about getting your needs met. Your number one issue isn't, where am I going to eat today? Are my kids going to be alive tomorrow? Where am I going to sleep tonight? See, slaves are consumed with their needs being met. See, in royalty, there's abundance. There's provisions. There's prosperity. But also, also the ways of royalty. You know, royalty, man, it's... The, the true ways of royalty is about fighting for the weak. It's about fighting for the people that God's entrusted you to fight for. You have to be courageous. You have to be wired for justice. It has to be in the back of your mind. I am blessed to be a blessing. See this kingdom that I live in? It's not for my benefit. It's for the benefit of all these people that I lead. See, not just anyone could have led a whole nation of slaves into a promised land. It really took someone that didn't think like a slave. It took someone that thought like a prince and not a pauper. And see, you can see the process. Egypt, look how long it took. You got, they, Moses got the Israelites out of Egypt, but look how long it took them to get the Egypt out of them. I mean, slavery stayed in them. Heck, it's 2016, and we're still wrestling with issues of slavery in our own hearts. Because that's one of the things that really hold us back from seeing and fulfilling and walking in the fullness of all that God has for us. And if we catch this revelation of who we are, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, we are heirs. 
your co-heirs. No good thing does he withhold from us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That, that challenge, I mean, that, that, that barrier, that, that obstacle is now an opportunity. Is now an opportunity. And I think the culture, I begin to think about culture. You know, when you're married to someone that was raised in a different culture than you, you begin to see that after a while. And I begin to see, you know, and, and it's like her culture, my culture coming together. And we can draw from this. It's either going to be like this <laughs> or it's going to be like this. The beauties and strengths of Val's culture, the beauties and strengths of my culture, I grew up in a lower-income culture family. My parents divorced when I was in high school. My mom worked three jobs. It was survival. It was survival, you know. But when you can bring those things together, man, it's beautiful. But if you don't recognize that some of your barriers, it's not who you are. It's just culture. Maybe you've believed that that's who you are. Maybe you said, this is just my personality. I'm the first child in the family. I'm the last child in the family. I read the book. I know what last child in the family are supposed to be like. They're always supposed to be like the baby in the family. <laughs> Val says, every time you go home, you act like the baby. So that's what I am. I'm the baby in the family. I renounce that lie in Jesus' name. I renounce the lie that I have to stay, that I will forever remain in the lower income class. I will renounce the lie that I can never do anything more than what I thought I could do. So culture. So we're all raised within a certain culture in our home. Some cultures empower, some control, some encourage, some promote fear, some inspire dreamers, some encourage survival, some create generational blessings, some create generational curses. But here's the good news. General curses can be broken. Let me, let me read this to you. Listen to this. Exodus 34, 7. It says, Who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sins. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquities of the fathers, of the children, and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. So what I'm reading this is that it's worth fighting to break any negative cultures that were established in your upgrowing, in your upbringing. I'm not talking about blaming your parents. I'm not talking about getting victim mentality, blaming your parents. But this is what it says. It says that the negative culture, the negative culture is going to visit you for three and four generations if you do nothing about it. But the problem is, if you don't do anything about it, it perpetuates. It becomes another three or four generations. That poverty mentality that you grew up in becomes the poverty mentality you raise your children in. And that becomes the poverty mentality they raise their children, children's children in. So there's three or four generations that if you don't break that thing, it's going to follow you. But this one is to a thousand generations. When you start, when you establish a new culture in your family, it says to a thousand generations. Can you say it's worth fighting for? It's worth not just laying down and saying, that's just who I am. That's my personality. That's my identity. That's a lie. It's worth the fight. It's worth it. Because if you change that thing, let me tell you, some things change. Some things change in your family. And what I like to do is, I know I'm running out of time. Can y'all bear with me for a few more? Can we pray a little bit? Can we lead through some prayers? Are y'all okay with that?
Let's go through, let's go through, um, I just want to, I want to pray some things. I want to pray some things. The first thing I want us to pray out, and y'all get ready. Uh, Amy, feel free, I mean, if you guys want to come up and, and just do a little something soft tonight. The first thing I want us to look at is, you know, let's, what invisible barriers are holding you back? Do you need a revelation of the I am who I am, the second part of the I am? I want to read a few passages of Scripture. And let me remind you, this is God's heart. Don't, don't read into the context of if, then, old covenant. Just catch his heart. That's what when I read the Old Testament, I'm after God's heart. I'm just trying to see what his heart is in it. Listen, I'm going to read some verses, and I want you to catch God's heart. And he's speaking this to his people. And I'm, you know what I think? If, if this is his heart for his people, before the blood of the new covenant was shed, how much more and how much greater for his sons and daughters? Deuteronomy 1.11. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousandfold more than you are and bless you just as he promised you. Do you believe that he wants to increase you a thousandfold? Do you believe that he wants to bless you? Deuteronomy 7.13. He will love you and he will bless you and he will multiply you. Man, let this sink in. Listen to these words. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, your grain, your wine, your oil, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock, the land in which he swore your forefathers to give you. Deuteronomy 39, the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand, in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your cattle, in the produce of your ground, for the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, just as rejoiced over your fathers. I've got to prepare you. This next verse has the S word in it. We need to get comfortable with the S word in church again. Joshua 1.8. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have, are you ready? Success. Success. God wants you to be successful. He wants you to be successful in your ministry. He wants to be successful in your marriage. He wants you to be successful in your family raising your children. He wants your business to be successful. He wants your finest finances to be successful. He wants your thought life to be successful. He wants your emotions to be filled with joy, life, peace, and abundance. He wants you successful, church. That's the heart of your father. So I, I want us to take a moment, a few moments, and break any false conclusions we have concerning the goodness of God. He wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to experience life, joy, and peace. Deuteronomy 2, 3 says, man, we've circled this mountain long enough. It's time to turn north. And some of y'all feel like 2016, you've circled the mountain. Why am I not experiencing success in my marriage? What's going on? How come my family's a wreck? How come my kids don't listen to me? Why are they rebelling right now? What's going on? Why is my business not being prosperous right now? Why is my ministry not flourishing? What's going on? I'm going to ask you to be bold and just raise your hand. In 2016, if, you're, if you'd say, man, my marriage, 
was blessed in 2016. The boundaries expanded in my marriage in 2016. My marriage was prosperous in 2016. Would you just raise your hand? God's giving you permission to raise your hand. Amen. 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 Now I'm going to ask you a question. You say 2016, man, it was a year. I went around, my marriage went around a mountain. In fact, I lost my marriage. My marriage ended in a divorce in 2016. 2016, I couldn't seem to get traction in my relationship. No intimacy. We're distance. We're not communicating. And if that's you, I'm just going to invite you to stand. If that's you, if you, if we could pray, and I'm going to have the people that experienced, because Moses' breakthrough wasn't for Moses. He didn't go through 40 years. He didn't go through breaking false conclusions of the goodness of God. He didn't go through breaking false conclusions of his own identity just to live and be fat and happy and have his own kingdom built for himself. He did it for a whole nation. He did it for a whole entire nation. So when your marriage is blessed, it's blessed so you could be a blessing to somebody else. So if you're in here this morning, you say, look, man, my marriage, see, it had some challenges in 2016. I'll receive prayer. Would you stand right now? I know it's kind of, it may be tough. Would you stand right now? If you raised your hand, I want you to get around these people, and I want you to begin to pray for them. If they're standing, if you raised your hand, get around these people, and I want you to pray for them right now. We've got a few others, so... Pray it on them good. You pray in hope. You pray in faith. You pray in God's promises. You pray God's plan for that marriage. You pray God's destiny for that marriage. And you go for it on your own. You just start right now. You pray into it right now. Just take about two or three minutes and just pray over them. God's purpose, God's heart for that relationship. That their love would grow. We call right now in the name of Jesus. We call for those barriers of rejection to come down, barriers of insecurity to come down, barriers of false conclusion about what marriage is to come down. Guys, just begin to bless them. Begin to bless them. Pro prophesy over their marriage. Prophesy over their marriage. Speak what their marriage is going to be. Prophesy over their marriage. Speak into that relationship. If someone in here this morning has gone through a divorce and that divorce has been a barrier in your life, shame and regrets hung on to you, would you raise your hand so we could pray for you? If you Anybody this morning? We get some guys to pray around, my brother right here. We just break the shame, we break the sting. We break the shame. We break the sting of that divorce. We break the lies. Prophesy over them, guys. Prophesy them. They will live again. They will love again. They will experience life, intimacy, and love again. We have a couple other things, y'all, we want to pray for. I want to call out a few things, so please... Um, Please wrap up the prayers for the marriages. And
All right, if you guys would go ahead and, I know it's hard, I know you're in the middle of praying, but go ahead and finish that prayer. There's a few other areas I feel like God really wants us to cover this morning. So, I just want to ask you this morning, in 2016, if God expanded the boundaries of your family, I know there was a lot of fruitfulness in this house in 2016. If God expanded the boundaries of your family in 2016, would you raise your hand? You guys, would you raise your hand if you expanded the boundaries of your family? I know there was a lot of babies born in this house in 2016. And I'm going to ask that if, you, if your heart is that your family would be expanded, you want your family to be expanded. I'm going to ask those to pray for those. If you want your family to be, extend, to be expanded, your heart is you want children. Your heart is you want to bridge the, where relationships have been broken in areas of your family. You want to reconnect. You want to reunite broken relationships. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to encourage you to stand. I'm going to ask if you pray for the marriages, if you guys would go ahead and close that part up. Just close the marriage part up. Bless them. Because we've got a few other things we need to pray for right now. All right. So I, I want to just see. We're just going to do a prayer. We're going to pray. We're just going to pray this right now. Father, we just pray right now that your heart, God, your heart for these families, God, that the, your heart would be revealed. Anything, anything that was picked up, any barrier that was picked up about your heart, your goodness to bless for fruitfulness, for abundancy, God. We break those barriers in Jesus' name. Any shame, any condemnation, any other, any barrier that was picked up, we break in Jesus' name. And if you, if you know someone, if, you just, if God's put someone in your heart, you just want to pray over them. And if you want to receive prayer, just let it be known that you want to receive prayer. In a particular, I'm just going to call out a few areas, and then I'm going to release you guys to pray. I'm going to release. I, I heard a lot of reports in 2016 that, man, that some businesses were successful in this house. That some businesses prospered. Man, is there anyone in here that's venturing in some new business? Raising your hand. You got some hands up? Anyone that says, man, I'm in a business. Man, if your business in 2016, if you've experienced blessings and prosperity in 2016, would you find someone that's raising their hands right now? Would you raise your hands one time? You want your business to prosper in 2017. Right there, right there. First of all, would you stand up? Be so bold if you stand up. Look, man, my business prospered in 2016. Would you stand up? Someone's business prospered in 2016? One, two. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Now, if you want your business to prosper in 2017, raise your hand so these people can know where to go. Find someone. If you're standing, go find someone and pray that over them. Go find someone. All right, look around. Look around, guys. Look around. Make your way. Make your way and begin to pray for folks. You might have to make it quick. You might have to bless them and then find, bless somebody else. I'm going to go ahead and move these really quick. I want to speak this, though. I think that this is important. 
Anybody in 2016 get set free of an addiction? Would you raise your hand? 2016. I know this is a tough one. Raise your hand one more time. 2016, you broke through an addiction. You broke through an addiction. Do not be shame about that. You broke through an addiction in 2016. If you're in here right now and you want to help break it through an addiction, would you just stand up? Maybe it's an addiction to drugs. Maybe it's an addiction to alcohol. Maybe it's an addiction to pornography. Maybe it's an addiction to gambling. Maybe it's an addiction to shopping. Maybe it's an addiction to materialism. Maybe it's an addiction to TV. Maybe it's an addiction to food. Maybe it's an addiction to a person. Maybe it's an addiction to an emotion. Whatever it is, would you stand up if you want someone to pray for you to break free? to break that barrier, that addiction. Would you stand? Guys, if you see anyone, if you know someone, just feel free. Feel free to go to them. I want to close with this. I want to close with this barrier right here. I believe that there's some family cultures that, that God wants to break this morning. Again, I'm so thankful for the family I grew up in. Hey, we had our stuff, but I had a good family. I'm not trying to blame my mom or my dad. I am not trying to do that. Please don't hear that anyway. But, man, they were perpetuating some things that were in them that they grew up in and they they grew up around. Do you know my sister and my family was the first one to go to college on both sides out of everybody? My sister broke that barrier. And, you know, I really believe that I was not smart. Success in school for me was a C. I didn't believe I could do any better. That's not a joke. I miraculously got into Radford University. I was on the wait list. The only reason I got in, they didn't have enough people that year. That's a true story. I got in. I'll just make the story short. I graduated in four years with a 3.6 cum laude at Radford University. I believed I wasn't smart. I believed I wasn't smart. Both of my sister's kids are in college. My kids are smart. I grew up in a culture. Man, lower class. If you can just make it, you can just pay your bills, you're successful. There's nothing wrong with that. Unless God says, I want you to go from middle class, I mean lower class to middle class. Remember, why, why do I want to bless you? Why do I want to increase you? Why do I want to give you more? We were called to inherit a blessing so that we could be a blessing to others around us. I just just believe there's a moment where I want to give us an opportunity to break some old barriers from culture, from family. I just take a moment. Think about the culture that you grew up in. Guys, I... Some of you guys that are in the program, my brother was in the program. I, I grew up with a lot of alcohol and drugs. My dad, my dad divorced, was married four times. My parents divorced in high school. He was a D.C. police officer. A lot of alcohol, a lot of abuse in our house. That was normal culture. That was my culture. My culture was when things are hard, you drink through it. You numb it. You mask it. What, what was your culture? 
I want to break a I want to break some family generational curses. Some of y'all have broken out of some family generational curses. Anyone in here break out of a generational curse of drugs or alcohol? Would you raise your hand? You see that? Right there? Right there? Right there? You're in here this morning and you want to start a new culture. You want a new culture in your family. You want to create a new environment. I just want to encourage you to find, raise your hand if you broke out of the generation. If you broke out of generational addictions in your family, raise your hand. If that's you, if you want them to pray for you, I'm going to reverse it. You go find them as we're getting ready to close. You go find them. Someone, anyone want to break out of a poverty culture? Poverty culture? That's one of the, that's one of the cultures that clashed when I married Val. When you take someone that grew up with stuff and then someone that didn't grow up with a lot of stuff and you just put them together, there's some interesting dynamics. Interesting dynamics. See, I really didn't believe that God wanted to bless abundantly. I really believed that life was about just getting enough to get by. That if you had more, you got it the wrong way, man. That if you were successful, you did something wrong. I had those weird thoughts in my head. I had that poverty mentality in my head. I know it's time to go. I'm sorry. I just want to pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. and I pray as we go forward this week and as we take our confessions Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from the handout out back, I pray as we confess these things, they begin to break any barriers, any false conclusions about the goodness of who you are how you want to bless, how you want to give, how you want to love. I pray any barriers about our identity, any false conclusions about our identity would be broken. And Lord, I just want to pray this in our cultures, any cultures that we grew up in, the culture and environments in our home life that we grew up, and we have taken it on as a false identity. And God's saying, you better throw that thing down. That thing you thought you were because that's what you grew up in or that staff, you better throw that down. It's going to bite you. It's hindering you from the promised land. That thing that says you, that culture that says you won't be successful, that culture says that you, that you will never have enough. You're going to stay in that lower class. You're going to stay poor. You're going to stay addicted. Your life is just going to be about surviving, just barely holding on, just barely getting by. Your life is going to be about rage and explosions because that's how they handle things in your home, through fear and intimidation. You want to break that culture? God, we just agree right now. We will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth, O oh God. You declare who we are. God, we give you permission to break the cultures, the cultures that have created barriers in our life that are keeping us from the more, that are keeping us from the abundance, that are keeping us from prosperity, that are keeping us from success. We give you permission to break those barriers, the unseen barriers. God, we know that we want to establish new cultures, cultures of faith, cultures of love, cultures of peace, cultures of courage, of success that will go on for thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years. We'll never wonder how are we going to send that person to the mission field. We don't have enough money. We won't entertain that. We'll be entertaining questions. 
How do we empower a whole nation? How do, we, how do we teach a whole nation? Not just to give them a handout, but to give them a hand up, to teach them to be sons and daughters who know how to increase and make wealth to be a blessing to other people. Guys, it's not just about money. It's just an easy illustration. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, 2017, we pause this week. We pause and we just say, God, we want to run with you. We want to go into the promised land. We have hope that there's more for our marriage. There's more in every area of life. God, we give you permission to reveal any barriers that will keep us fully from your fullness of the promised land. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for bearing with me. I know that was long. God bless you. I know we might have an announcement or two before we close. Do we have anything, Tulio? No announcements. You guys be blessed as you go out the rest of the week. Grab your, um, there's a